In a bid to overturn Joe Biden's victory, almost a quarter of Republican senators and well over 100 members of the House plan to vote against certifying the presidential election results. To talk about it, we've invited Dr. Andrew Downs on the program. He is an associate professor of political science at Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Dr. Downs, thanks for joining us on WFHB. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Most Republican senators have refused to join this effort and have actually committed to verifying the election results. Is there any chance that this effort will prevent Congress from certifying Biden's win? I think it's uh, always dangerous to say things like always or absolutely no chance of. In this instance, I think the chances of the election result being uh, changed from what we all expected it expect it to be to be very, very thin, very, very, very thin. Uh, but it would be dangerous to say there's absolutely no chance of it happening. If there's basically no chance, okay, a slight chance, but basically no chance that this effort will change the election results, what is motivating these Republican senators and members of Congress to take this effort up? Yeah, that's really the question that people should be asking. What is motivating folks to do this? And I think there are several things at play. First, I think there are some people who are interested in running for president who want to do what they can to capture Trump supporters in case the president does not choose to run in 2024. Uh, whoever becomes the, the, the most uh, favored candidate among those voters has a very solid, you know, 30, 35 percent of the Republican Party locked up, which is very good when it comes to a primary. So I think that's part of it. I think part of it is uh, some folks are a little worried about a primary challenge against them in 2022 or 2024. And so they see the need to back the president so that uh, a someone who is more supportive of the president doesn't take them out in the primary. Uh, and then I think there are some people who really think that there were problems with the election and believe that if nothing else, there should be an investigation that, that brings about uh, a greater sense of confidence in the results. So I, I think, you know, that we can't rule that, that out as the motivation for some folks. Given that there have been, I think, over 60 lawsuits filed by the Trump administration and Trump's allies that have basically been thrown out, I think that many people wouldn't extend such a good faith reading of it, although I'm sure that there are members of Congress who do believe that there were issues in the election. That being said, one of the main issues that you brought up seems to be about publicity and about securing Trump's base for their own elections, future elections, potential presidential bids. How much does fundraising have to do with this as well? Well, we know that there has been an awful lot of fundraising that's been done on uh, under the umbrella of challenging the election. And, and um, given the cost of elections these days, uh, where candidates can go out and raise money and and have that ready for their next battle is certainly something to consider. So, uh, there's no doubt that some folks are trying to see this as an avenue to raising money for themselves and for their PAC, if they happen to have a PAC, or for organizations that they believe would help them in the future. So it's certainly something that has to be taken into consideration. And I do I want to point out one thing about the court cases while, yes, the vast majority of them have been thrown out, we should remember that in a couple of cases, 
thrown out meant that a court ruled that the person bringing the suit had no standing. In other words, the court did not rule on the merits of the case, but ruled that the individual or individuals who brought them were not able to bring them in our legal system. I only want to point that out because when people start giving a, a broad brush uh, dismissal or validation of the election outcome uh, to the fact that all the cases have been uh, rejected or virtually all of them, we should keep in mind that some of them were on technical grounds. And if we don't recognize that technicality, that creates the opportunity for people to then challenge the validation of the election that comes through those cases that did deal with merit. Because the courts dismissed some of these cases, based on standing versus actually on the merits of the case. Has there been any evidence produced showing that there were issues with the election results? Yeah, this is there, there are so many things that make what we're going through right now interesting. And um, fortunately, there are organizations like yours that allow for a little more nuanced discussion of the issues. And I think that's wonderful for society in general. There certainly has not been much evidence that would suggest that there was widespread fraud or something that might overturn the outcome of the election. There have been statements made that evidence exists, that it will be presented if people are ever given their chance in court. Uh, but when there have been opportunities in court, or for that matter, when there have been opportunities before uh, legislative bodies, there has been very little evidence presented that, that would suggest the outcome is not the outcome that, that we all think that it is at this, or that many of us think it is at this moment. Now, I should also point out, when I said things or court cases were thrown out for lack of standing, let's remember that if that was an appellate or higher level that was saying that, we default back to the lower levels uh, ruling, which in many cases was there's insufficient evidence here. So when you look at the totality of what has been submitted, when you look at the totality of rulings from the courts, it's pretty easy to say there does not appear to be enough evidence to suggest that the outcome is anything other than Joe Biden is the president-elect and should be sworn in on January 20th. For the people who are prioritizing publicity and fundraising in this effort, that kind of effort has garnered a lot of criticism as potentially dangerous to the idea of American democracy. What are your thoughts on that kind of characterization of the issue? I, I think that we see on a pretty regular basis threats to democracy, not only to our elections, but to legislative processes, the actions taken by executive officers at all levels. And um, that is problematic, to say the least. But the fact that we have managed to address them, deal with them, live with them for a couple of hundred years is a testament to the structure we have. You know, the idea that there would be a separation of powers, that there would be a system of checks and balances in place to make sure that no one could completely run amok in the system uh, is, is good. It means the system will move slowly. It means the system will be incredibly cumbersome and often very, very ugly. Uh, but it is a testament to making sure, to, to providing us with a government that, that is a reflection of us. 
what we're seeing right now in terms of people who continue to persist that there was fraud without ever having to show evidence of that fraud, people who are raising money on the back of the allegations of fraud or in, in an attempt to overturn the outcome of an election, those are certainly problematic and they are much more visible and, and more damaging than most of the threats that we see on a regular basis. That is a problem for us as a society. But the fact that the courts have done what they have done, the fact that Republican office holders have stood up and said, no, this is, this is not right, this is not what happened, uh, that the election was fair and et cetera, those are all good, uh, they're, they're good evidence that the system does manage to continue to work and can sustain significant threats against it. We saw that when President Trump was nominating Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, he explicitly mentioned at one point she would eventually be commenting on or deciding a case involving election results, essentially. That case did end up going before her, and the Supreme Court did not decide in Trump's favor. Um, so there is this kind of immediate evidence to suggest that the courts have prevented the executive from doing whatever it wanted. On the other hand, there is a kind of historical critique of the system of checks and balances in the United States, which notes that for centuries, these systems, while they have represented the United States perhaps as what it is, it hasn't prevented the United States from doing things that have had negative impacts, including wars and, and things like slavery. So how do you respond to people's kind of critique of the checks and balances system? I, I think there are a couple of ways. The short answer is to think about a quote from someone like, like uh, Churchill, uh, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Uh, there's some truth in that. There, when, when you bring together people with varied interests, uh, varied backgrounds, varied ideals. You're you're going to get conflict. It's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly, uh, and it's not necessarily going to work right uh, in the moment. But the slightly longer answer is that when you look across time, and you keep in mind that that we are aiming toward an ideal, we are able to accept that there have been moments where we ran amok, as you put it, where we did wrong. The question is, did we learn from them? What did we learn from them? And how did we try to get better? Now, the easy answer, of course, is to look at the fact that initially uh, slaves were not considered to be entire people. Clearly a problem. Uh, for a long time, women were not given the right to vote. Clearly a problem. For a long time, we had literacy tests that kept large segments of the population from voting. Clearly a problem. But we have, little by little, made improvements. It has not happened nearly fast enough. And in hindsight, we are often able to say, I cannot believe that's the way things were. And why did it take so long to change? Those are valid criticisms, but as long as the trajectory is toward that ideal, I think that the system is worth preserving, even if it does need to be tweaked from time to time. And one final question. Regarding the fundraising and publicity side of 
of this effort, have you come across any research or reporting done on specific senators or members of or Republican members of the House who have kind of been more explicit in their fundraising or publicity goals? Uh, I have not, but I have to confess that I usually look at campaign finance issues fairly long after the fact, so I, I don't keep up to date on a day-to-day basis, so to speak. I look at things in the longer-term view. That's part of what political scientists uh, are good at, looking at the longer view and not so much the absolute moment. So that is a flaw in the way I approach things. However, since very few folks who are running for office are going to be that blatant and that blunt and say, I am raising this money right now on the back of this challenge so that I can do the following, it would be hard to say that is exactly what someone was doing. There will be ways to word it so that uh, people have cover. For example, when you look at the statement that came out from uh, Senator Cruz and the others who are going to challenge and object to uh, the Electoral College vote, uh, they did it under the guise of trying to maintain uh, the, the transparency and accuracy of the election process and to build faith in the electoral process. They didn't outright say, we're doing this because we're trying to build up support among Trump voters for our presidential bid or to ward off a primary challenge. Uh, Elected officials and candidates are usually pretty good at using language that helps to hide and never admitting uh, what might be considered to be a very obvious move on their part. Well, that's why we talk to political scientists like yourself to help us understand what it is they're saying. Dr. Andrew Downs, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.